Hey friends, Anthony here. This is not the sermon. This is just me giving a brief uh, announcement before the sermon. Uh, and it's this, our recording equipment didn't quite work right and our backup recording equipment didn't quite work right, but we recorded the vast majority of the sermon. We just missed the first uh, few minutes of the sermon. And so I just wanted to give you a little bit of an intro to it. Uh, so that would be helpful. And I, we're still going to post this with the rest of the sermon because um, surprisingly, uh, a lot of people found it pretty helpful. And so we continued in our series in Colossians 3. We were in verses 20 and 21, which talks to children and fathers, and really I think parents in general, on what it means to um, think about ways to uh, live into that family structure. And so we talked at length about how uh, the family, the Christian family, should operate with love at the center and that's kind of the tail end of what i'm getting at as this sermon starts and then there's about three or four other things i kind of pull from this passage but uh before you go there i would encourage you to go read verses uh three uh i mean verses 20 and 21 of chapter 3 of colossians and and then even verses 12 through 14 of that same chapter because it was a lot of how we said uh, the Christian family should operate. And so uh, without further ado, I'll let you listen to the rest of the sermon. Um, sorry for that little mess up, but I thought I'd post the rest of this anyways. Thanks. Those formative years has the power to shape your kid in all sorts of ways. I truly believe what the Bible says that love covers a multitude of sins. We are all growing up in a sinful, broken world, and it all affects all of us in all sorts of ways. If we as parents can bring love into the center of our family, it's going to cover a multitude of sins. It's going to cause our kids to be far healthier. It's going to cause them to understand themselves better. It's going to cause them to know God better. It's going to cause them to be able to love others better. Love has to be at the center. It has to be the how to how we do this Christian family thing. Before we get on to any of the other points in these verses, we have to realize love is at the center. Parents, don't say this is just cliche. This is not cliche. Love has to be at the center of how you parent. Okay, love has to be at the center. All right? All right, the next thing that I want to pull from this passage is this, is obedience it's a, it's a form of love, and it's a form of reflecting God's image. It's a form of love, and it's a form of reflecting God's image. Um, in the Bible, uh, obedience to God is a good thing. <laughs> All right, In the Bible, obedience to God is a really good thing. In fact, obedience to God goes hand in hand with loving God. Like all throughout the Bible, you're going to see a lot of calls for us as God's people to obey God. Like, and I say, I say that kind of facetiously or with a smirk because I feel like it's hard for us to hear that idea in our culture. Like in our culture and in this world, like we're constantly being spoon-fed pretty much everywhere. Hey, what really matters, what life is really about is pleasure, happiness, pleasureful feelings. Or if that's not what it's about, it's about your own autonomy. It's about your own freedom. It's about your own whatever. And we're kind of being constantly fed those messages. So then when we get to the Bible and we see all throughout the Bible, there's this message that we are to obey God. That we've even been created to obey God. That is hard for us. We can't handle it. Every, so I'll I'm going to tell you my relationship with TikTok a little bit. Uh, I... Uh, 
I download TikTok usually when I'm like a little bit depressed, if I'm honest, and I start going through TikToks. Uh, I, this is just my own bad coping mechanism. But then I delete it when I realize how much of a, a time sucker it is. And time and time again, I'm going through TikToks. For some reason, I'm getting all the TikToks that are like, here's how I can convince you to not be a Christian anymore. So I'm like, how do you, how, are you do you know I'm a pastor? Like, what, what is going on here? Um, and constantly, this idea of having to obey God over our own hearts and pleasures is like part of why people are saying, walk away. Don't follow God who makes you obey him. But the, the problem with that is obedience is not a bad thing. Obedience is actually a good thing. If God is really uh, powerful and over the whole universe and created us to obey him, obeying him is actually living into who we were created to be. Much like breathing in air is what humans are supposed to do, obeying God is what, what humans are supposed to do. It's good for us. And I think obedience, we don't realize it's, it's a form of love. It's a form of love. It's a form of how we love God. It goes hand in hand in Scripture. Obedience is a form of love. love. It, even if you look to God as Trinity, which I do, if you look at God as the Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit— what you're going to see is a trinity of love between them. Somehow they are three distinct persons loving one another, and yet they're one God. And we'll never understand that. Maybe even in the resurrection we won't understand that. But there, there's obedience in them. Some of how their love is acted out is, is by obeying one another. And you can see this, especially in the Gospels, with Jesus obeying his Father. But within the trinity, one of the ways that the Father, Son, and Spirit love each other is through obeying one another. And so obe obedience is a form of love. Not only that, I think it's a form of imaging who God is. If that's what the Trinity is doing, then we are reflecting God's image. A lot of times uh, we have a hard time understanding the garden. Like, why did God put this tree in the garden? And honestly, we're going to spend the rest of, like, until the resurrection trying to understand that. But I wonder if God put the tree in the garden that we weren't supposed to eat of, not for some arbitrary rule or test, but so that we would have the opportunity as image bearers to reflect this aspect of God's image, which is seen in obedience. That maybe we can see the beauties of who God is fully when we have an opportunity to obey him. So then, no wonder that when it comes to how every human family essentially works is that kids grow up and the way that babies and kids are is they essentially have to be obedience factories in order to survive. Right? Like kids and, and babies, if they are not obedience factories, like constantly obeying their parents, they won't survive. Like if for some reason a baby could not listen to their parents, they would not survive. I think that God in his mercy has made it that way so that as we grow up, as we're kids, one of the first things we're learning is obedience so that we can reflect who God is, so that that form of love could be ingrained into us. So then as we mature, we've been trained in obedience. And so this is why I think God calls children to obey their parents. God wants to train children in obedience, so that as they grow up and as they become adults and as it becomes harder to obey their heavenly father, 
They've already been trained in obedience, and maybe it's a little bit easier, it comes a little bit more natural for them to obey God. So this is part of why I think we are, why God has us uh, as children obey our parents. This is part of why I think that command is there. I think obedience is a form of love. So kids, teens in the room, as much as you might think obeying your parents won't help you, know this, obeying your parents pleases the Lord. It brings the Lord joy, and I think it's because he, your heavenly father, is watching down, seeing how you're being trained in obedience. And your obedience, teens, kids in the room, adds to your character far more than anything disobedience can give you. Kids, teens in the rooms, I'm with you. A lot of times, disobeying parents feels like it's going to add a lot more to our life than obeying them. But I'll say this, obeying your parents is going to add more to your character, more to who you are, more to your understanding of who God is than disobeying them. It's going to give you more, even if it doesn't feel like it, than any amount of disobedience can give. Okay? But, that being said, this only works well, parents, when you're obeying God yourself. A whole bunch of you parents in here, myself in moments included, is we're just kind of tyrants, arbitrarily, and saying no to our kids and making up rules for no good reason, right? Sometimes my kids just ask me for something like, hey, can I do this? I'm like, no. For no reason. Like, it's just my flinch. Like, I'm just like, nah. <laughs> I, like, have to process. I'm like, I am just being a tyrant right now. And so then I have to repair that as well. But that's just kind of a default. Sometimes, sometimes we're just tired as parents, too. And that's, like, kind of why. But we can't just be arbitrarily controlling our, our, our kids. We have to be obeying God and get, so that as we obey God, it gives our kids a vision for what obeying God is, a direction for our lives, a direction for love, a vision for love, a vision for following God. So parents, our, we could tell our kids all day, hey, the Bible says obey me, but if you're not obeying God, then it's kind of pointless. If we as our parents, parents ourselves are not obeying God, our kids will see that very quickly. We need to be practicing our own obedience to God. In fact, we need to be obeying God better than they're obeying us if we want this family dynamic that Paul is speaking to to be a good thing. Um, two kind of quick things before I move on. There's a couple things that kind of come up when this idea of children obeying their parents uh, gets talked about a lot. And one of those things is, uh, do I have to obey my evil or abusive parents? And when I use that word evil, know this, we're all sinful, so I don't mean it in that sense. We are all sinful and evil in some sense. But when I say evil, I mean kind of like an extra category of sin and evil uh, that's uh, deviant, if you will. Um, and so the question comes up, do I, have to, to, do I as a kid, have to obey my uh, evil or abusive parents? And I'll say this, no, you don't. You don't. You don't have to obey your evil or, or, or abusive parents. If they're, if they're telling you to sin, if they're sinning grievously against you, if they're telling you to keep secrets about their sin and you feel like it's disobedient to tell someone about their sin, you do not have to obey them. You can tell someone about their sin. You can. It's not disobedient. I can show you in Scripture, there's not going to be some verse that says, here's the scenarios where you can disobey your parents, but I can show you in Scriptures where you could come to that conclusion. By looking at different things, especially in Acts and, and some different places there. So you don't have to obey uh, 
your evil or abusive parents. That being said, when things are going right in your home and, and the parents are not being evil or abusive, yeah, you, I think it's good for us to obey. But uh, I, I want to be even careful with that. I pray none of us are experiencing that. I pray none of the kids in our church are experiencing that. I Actually, I really love this church, and I feel like it's full of amazing parents, but um, sometimes we don't know these things until the kid grows up and can speak as an adult apart from their parents. So, um, so know that. You don't, you, in that kind of scenario, you don't have to obey. The other thing that kind of comes up is, uh, do I, like this honestly has come up, come up a fair amount of times for me as a pastor. I've heard this question is, do I have to obey my parents uh, now that I'm an adult? Now that I'm an adult, do I have to obey them? Especially, sometimes people kind of go like, especially since I'm not married yet, is kind of how they put it. And I'll just answer this, no, you don't. <laughs> like, you don't have to obey your parents once you're an adult, okay? That's just not how it works. The, the Bible was set in a very different world than our world, and so I can understand why um, people kind of come to that conclusion or think that way, but you don't have to obey your parents once you're an adult. In fact, if that's kind of a tension and a dynamic and a weird thing in your, in your life, I would almost kind of say, hey, there might be some unhealthy dynamics going on between you and your parents. And in fact, where you not obeying them in certain ways will be what is actually loving for your parents. And it might not feel like love for yourself, and it might not feel like love for them, but as long as it actually is love and the healthy thing, and not just kind of resentment and bitter uh, feelings coming forth, then I think that's the right uh, way to love those sorts of parents. And so once you're an adult, you don't have to obey your parents anymore. Should we honor our parents? Should we love everyone? Yeah, that's what we're all called. We're called to do that all the time. But there's not this kind of like you have to obey uh, your parents once you're an adult. Now, I think there's some caveats to that. Like if you're living with your parents and they're paying all your bills, like, <laughs> and they're like, hey, in our house, like, you can't do that. Like, you're probably like, yeah, he pays all my bills. <laughs> like, I should um, take that into consideration. But... Um, but sometimes I've noticed that parents want to control their adult children in different ways, and they might even bring up something like, hey, I pay your phone bill, so you need to not date that person. And it's kind of like, whoa, that's like, I don't, I don't know if those go together type of a thing, um, type of thing. And then I would just say, if you're having that dynamic, just start paying for your own phone bill um, type of thing. So, uh, so here, to kind of pull from that passage uh, here, the, to sum up what I've been saying, kids, obey your parents, because that image is God. Kids obey because obedience is a form of love. Kids obey because God wants to train them in obedience to him. Parents, don't take advantage of your kids' obedience, or don't even take it lightly that God has ordered it for children to obey their, your parents. Take that humbly and uh, fearfully. Uh, and then, parents, uh, you need to obey God as well, okay? So, uh, those are the kind of the first two points. Third point, third thing I want to pull from this passage is this. Parents, you are accountable. You are accountable to love your children. You're accountable to love all of your children the way that God loves you. That's what you're called to, parents. If you got kids, whether you wanted those kids or not, you are accountable to love those kids the way that God loves you. You're, you're called to not allow your anger to hurt your children, parents. Did you see that in there? I find it really interesting that when Paul talks about how to treat children, he says don't exasper exasperate them. 
Another translation, don't provoke them or they'll become discouraged. The the reason that's interesting to me is I'm constantly kind of, I've heard throughout my life, and I even hear sometimes today, it's kind of like this constant message of like, hey, the feelings you have inside of you are all just you. You're just determining all your feelings, and they're all, you have control over them. Just be happy, right, like is the kind of thing. And then all of us sad people go like, I can't, like, you know, and we're kind of like, why do you keep saying that to me? And uh, now there's a level of truth in that. Like, I do think there's a level of truth of being able to uh, be healthy in our own emotions. But the untruth is this. All throughout the Scripture, you see that other people's words, other people's action, other people's sinful anger can cause things to happen in you, can cause damage to happen to you, can cause your heart to hurt, can cause damage in you. And Paul knows that. That's why he says to fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't cause them to become discouraged. Parents in the room, you are accountable to loving your children and noticing if the way you are treating them is causing them to be exasperated or discouraged. Some of you parents need to see that you are irritating your child with the way you talk. No, Anthea, it's not sinful how I'm talking. I don't care. It's irritating your kid for some reason. Some, some of you are, some, of, some adults are just, they're so obtuse. And they've gotten through life full of whatever successes they want. That their kids, uh, how they treat their kids doesn't matter that much to them. When they irritate their kids or cause their kids to feel frustrated or angry or discouraged, the, the parent's like, I'm not wrong, it's the kid. Now sometimes that's obviously true. But I feel like that's our default as parents to go like, ah, it's just a kid. They're being a kid. No, maybe you as a parent are pretty obtuse. Maybe you're kind of the worst person to have a conversation with. Maybe you're putting too many burdens on your kid. Love your kids so well that you don't do that to your kids. Become self-aware, parents. Become self-aware. Your kids shouldn't know you better than you know yourself. A lot of kids know their parents better than the parent knows themselves. That shouldn't be the case for us as Christian parents. Fathers, I want to say this. I think you in particular, for some reason, are being called out here in the passage. It could be because of the Greco-Roman world that we talked about last week. Uh, Because we know mothers are called to these same things. So I don't want to say mothers are not called to this. Mothers are definitely called to these same things. But Paul seems to want to talk to fathers here. And I, it, it could also be maybe because men far often, uh, I think, than women need to deal with their anger. Some of that is just the, bio, the reality of testosterone and different things and culture or whatever. And so maybe Paul wants to attack that. It might also just be the fact that there's so much lasting damage that has happened in the history of the world and continues to this day when a father is absent from the home whether he's physically absent or emotionally absent. There's just so much lasting damage that happens when that happens. You can't deny it. Now, the same goes for mothers. When a mother is physically absent or emotionally absent, there's all kinds of lasting damage that happens to the home as well. But if you look at the numbers and the stats, I believe far more often it is a father who's physically absent or emotionally absent from the home. And so that's maybe part of why Paul wants to talk to fathers here. 
He wants fathers to hear, hey, you are called to love your kids. You're called to not let your anger get the best of you. You're called to love them the way your heavenly father loves you. You need to give that sort of love to your kids. Fathers, don't take that lightly. How emotionally present and how physically present you are really matters. Our kid, I, I was just reminded, I saw, this is another TikTok I saw, so this feels bad, but <laughs> it was good, so I'm going to say it. Um, I have another TikTok reference after this, actually, as well. Um, <laughs> this is bad. Uh, but he was saying, like, this father was saying, hey, you are the gift your children wants. Not a perfect big home, not all the nice stuff, not everything they could ever want. You are the gift your kids want. Pre- time with you. Your presence, you getting to know them, you loving them. My kids are so happy when I'm attentive to them. Like true, just like joy I haven't seen in humans before. When I'm just like, let's pretend that we're building a a tower, you know, like whatever the thing is. Let's pretend we're knights and we're fighting a dragon, like whatever the thing is. Fathers, don't be physically or emotionally absent from your homes. It will have so much bearing on how well your kid can love and and how healthy their emotions are growing up and into adulthood. Mothers, the, the same is true for you guys as well. Of course, it's true. But I think that Paul wanted to single out fathers for some particular reason here. Um, The last thing I want to pull from this text is this, and I said this last week, but deal with your anger. And this is to all parents. Deal with your anger. Paul's saying don't exasperate, don't provoke, don't make your children become discouraged. Deal with your anger, parents. Go to counseling now before your children are disillusioned with you later. Go to counseling now so that you can raise your kid to not also have the same anger issues that you have. Deal with your anger. If you're going, do I have anger issues? Ask your kids, do I have anger issues? Is daddy angry? Is mommy angry? They will tell you the truth. It might be exaggerated, but they'll tell you the truth. If they say yes, go deal with your anger. If they say yes, become a person that starts to repair the damage that your anger is doing. Right? Not only do you have to go deal with your anger, understand your anger, uh, become a person who is so filled with the spirit that you're not angry as often as you once were, but you should become a person that repairs the damage that your anger does. Something I ask, I'm kind of obsessed with what causes someone to stay in the church. They grow up the 18 years, and then they stay in the church. I'm kind of obsessed with that. So I'll ask kids, hey, why, like adults, I'll say, hey, what made you stay in the church? You never left. You never kind of did that thing. And one of the common threads, it's not the only thing I hear, but one of the common threads I hear is, my dad apologized to me. I'm like, well, I was expecting to hear like the gospel presentation or we went to a great church or what I, almost, there's this common thread where I go, how come you stayed in the church? My dad said sorry to me a lot. He said sorry when he needed to. He asked for forgiveness when he needed to. Parents, deal with your anger and repair the damage done by your anger. If you are someone that's kind of just constantly saying sorry, which is unfortunately me at times, you probably need to go some deeper levels to deal with your anger too. 
and say, hey, I need to not let my anger be something that affects my kids. Deal with your anger. I think that Paul would tell parents to deal with their anger. Kind of as an aside, well, well, I'll just say this before the aside. If you need help figuring that out, what it means to deal with your anger, let me know. I'd love to help you if I can. I'd love to point you in the right direction and, and see if we can find some stuff that would help you. All right? All right, as an aside, uh, we can see throughout Scripture, not just these verses, that fatherhood and motherhood are so crucial to, like, how God created the world, so crucial to us growing up into the people that God wants us to be full of love. You can see this in the Bible. You can see it in scientific studies. Fatherhood and motherhood are so crucial. Because fatherhood and motherhood are so crucial, we as the church need to be a church that supports single-parent homes. We need to look to seek to be a church that supports those single-parent homes in healthy ways as they welcome us into so that the children in those homes can grow up knowing the love of their Heavenly Father through you and through their parents. Frankly, we just need to support those single-parent homes because the parents just need the support. I don't know how single parents do it. I don't think I could do it as a single parent. I think my wife's been helping with a, a wedding that she's in over this year, so there's been like two weekends where I'm by myself, and it's been a nightmare. <laughs> okay, it's been a night. I don't tell her that while she's gone, hopefully, but like uh, it's been a nightmare. Like because it's I'm like chasing three kids around. It's just difficult to parent alone because that's true. We should seek to be a support, and in the lives of single-parent homes. There's plenty of them around us. If as we as a church, is all we did said, hey, we're going to help the single-parent families, we would have plenty of work to do until Jesus returned. I don't know if we have a lot of single-parent families in here. And the reality of that is probably because most churches are androgynous. Most churches are kind of a network of the relationships they have. And so most people get in relationships with people that are similar to them, which makes sense, and that's not bad. But church, if we are really supposed to go out into the world, love the world, bring God's wholeness to all the places where there is not wholeness, then I think we would be in deep relationship with more single parents than we are. And I think we'd see some of them in our midst. Not always, always. And maybe not at all, but we'd at least have a lot more of those stories. Church, we need to step into that. For those of us that have single parent families in our lives, we should seek to support them, love them as we are welcomed in. Don't just kind of show up to dinner and be like, well, I'm here now. But look to love them and care for them and support them. If, if motherhood and fatherhood matters this much, which I think it does, we should look to, to, to support those families well, okay, a few just kind of random other thoughts that I have to kind of close this sermon is, parents, it's okay that it feels exhausting to parent your kids. It's okay. I feel like so many mothers in particular kind of like, I'm just so exhausted raising these kids, and they feel guilty because of that, and I'm going, don't feel guilty. They are nightmares. Like, it's okay. Like, you know, they're blessings, of course, blessings, of course, but... Um, <laughs> Raising kids is so hard. Raising kids is constant. Like you are a waiter all of the time in all of life. Like that, it's just so hard. So moms, dads in here, if you feel bad because of how exhausted you are raising your kids, uh, don't feel bad. 
Find some help. Find some ways to find strength. Find some ways to see that Jesus' yoke is easy. Don't put too many burdens on yourself. If your kid goes to something and they're a little bit dirty, that's okay. All right? I think. I don't know what the CPS laws now are nowadays, but... Um, but it's exhausting. One thing, this is just a local, this is a little colloquialism I've heard uh, a handful of times is right now, as it's exhausting to be a parent, the days are long, but the years are short. I've heard that a lot, and I think that's helpful because my, my flinch as a parent, if I'm going to be honest, is withdraw, watch something, and kind of parent like as I have energy to. And so I need to hear these things that I say, Anthony, the days are long, but the years are short. It's going to be gone in a moment. I think every single parent I know that has teens or kids in college, it's like every time I see them and they see me with my little ones, they kind of like grab me and shake me like they're a ghost from Christmas future. And they're like, listen, it happens fast, man. Like, you know, like they're always, they're always just like, I, I was 22 just yesterday, I swear. Like, I'm just like, is there some kind of time thing that happens? I don't know. And so they're just like, every single person I know that sees me with my kids who's already raised their kids, they all, they're all, they, I, uh, this is the only message I can give you. They grow up so fast. Young parents in the room, just know that it's true. It's going to, we're going to blink and it's going to be over, which means you're going to have to make your kids a priority and that's okay. We, we need to make our kids a priority, and it will be worth it. Other parts of our life will kind of be put on hold because of that, but our kids will grow into loving people that help more love come into the world and more of Jesus come into the world. If we do that well. I know what's, what's difficult for me as a pastor, too, is sometimes people expect me to kind of be at their beck and call at nights. Right now at nights, what I'm trying to do is teach my daughter to ride a bike. That's my priority right now. It's not going well, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's on me. I'm not good at teaching this. Um, I'm like, just do it. Like, uh, but that's my priority right now. If you, like, one of the things that I think is hard for people at our church sometimes, because my kids are my priority, is like, be like, hey, can I meet at night? I'm sure. I'm like, sure. How about 8? 8.30? Kids are asleep by them. You want to come to my house? Like, like all this, like, that's kind of late. I'm going to bed. I know. That's like my power hour, though, because the kids are asleep at that point. We have to make our kids a priority. The days are long, but the years are short. Um, something that would help us as parents and as the family of God as a whole in, in this thing that's exhausting in raising our kids is to live out our identity as the family of God more truly. Most of us are doing our best to do that, but a lot of us are kind of just, you know, do, like we're just a bunch of nuclear families or a bunch of nuclear households, and we just show up on a Sunday. We might go to a small group, whatever it is. But if we really are the family of God, if we really are brothers and sisters in Christ, if we really are family, then that means we've got all kinds of people that can help us. One, one of my favorite things to do in the, in the church is befriend single people or, parent or, or, or married people without kids. Not just because they're free babysitters, but because they help me see parts of God that I've forgotten and they help my kids see who God is. We as families need to embrace our identity as the family of God. We need to make space to invite other parts of the family of God into our family if we want to be supported, if we don't want to be as exhausted as parents. We have to make space to do that. 
It's going to take a reordering of your life. It's going to take putting some things on the back burner. It's going to, be t- uh, take, it's going to take pressing into relationships more deeply. It's going to take a whole lot more meals together. But if we live that out well, if we live that out well, um, I think it would be a little bit easier to raise our kids. They say something like this, that uh, if a kid has five relationships with people that are non-family members, that are Christians, they are far more likely to stay in the church. This, they, they just looked at different data, the different studies. If they have five, five relationships with adults outside of their own family that love Jesus, they continue to love Jesus once they turn 18. Let's embrace our identity as a family of God. Okay, one last uh, TikTok uh, illustration motivator here. And to be clear, I'm not like super depressed right now or whatever. I know I said that. Um, I mean, it's like my coping mechanism with life If I, I, is a better way to say it, okay? Um, there's this TikTok going around and it's kind of saying this. And I, I kind of hope this helps motivate us to, to love well. And it's this girl and she's like in tears and she's reading the, these words on the screen. And the words say something like this. Is the, the adult that you are right now is the one that you would have felt safe around while you were a kid. And she's kind of crying because she's realizing it's true about herself. She's saying it to her boyfriend, and he's like, I don't get it. And then she reads it again, and she's like almost in tears. And she's saying, the adult that you are right now is the one that you would have felt safe with as a kid. Because she realized she's become that adult that she as a kid would have felt safe with. Now, the reason I, I reference that is parents don't become the sort of parents that your kids grow up to be good parents in spite of you. That they grow up and they love well because you were a cautionary tale on how not to love, on how not to parent. Don't let that be you. You can today begin to take baby steps, repent, and turn towards God and learning what it means to love your, your kids. Because I've watched so many parents love well. Sometimes when I meet an adult and they're just really well adjusted, they understand their emotions, and they're really calm and patient with their own children, I realize very often that that person had some really good parents that loved them really well. When you parent your kids well, it really could have generations of effects of love being spread to the next generation. If you love your kid well, that might help them know that God is real. If we as the church love the children among us well, that will help them to know that Jesus is real. It also might heal a lot of their wounds, not just from their parents, but just from this broken, sinful world. Parents, take it seriously, your call to love your kids. Get to know your kids. Know the real them. Play with them. Take an interest in their interests. Make them a priority. Loving kids well is such a beautiful and important calling for the church. It's one of our many callings. This is part of why we are so serious, again, about AZ-127 and foster care and adoption. God has adopted us in. The cross and the resurrection have made the adoption papers into God's family signed with the blood of Jesus. So we can be part of God's family that he sees us as he sees his kids, as he sees his son. That's amazing. That's extraordinary. So this is why we have to love our children well. This is why we want to press into foster care and adoption because we have a good God in heaven who's adopted us and brought us into his family. 
May we love our children well, church. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. God, help us to love our kids well. God, help me to love my kids well. I've got all kinds of sinful deficiencies that cause me to not love my kids to the best of my ability. And so, God, help me to love my kids well. Help me to care for them well. God, help us as the family of God to live out being the family of God and loving these kids well. Help us to give them the precious gift of your son. Use us in some way to show them who your son is, what the gospel is, what it means to follow you. God, help us to raise good kids, not in spite of us, but because of what your spirit is doing in us. God, let love be at the center of our families. Let love be the how to how we do things. Give us wisdom where we need wisdom. God, be merciful to us as we parent our kids. Give us energy and strength. Amen.